Welcome to the Sales Career Leveling Podcast. Each show is dedicated to the sales professionals that are driven to advance their professional sales careers. Whether that be growing in their sales, management, or leadership roles, or climbing any part of the sales org chart. Each week, we'll be discussing sales, sales management, and sales executive leadership topics, as well as the sales career advancement, best and worst practices we should all be aware of. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have got a long one. We're having a conversation with Matt Sodnikar. He is a recovering software engineer and now more of a student of sales, marketing, and communication. He's been in the bike industry. He's been in IT cloud consulting, um, sales operations, marketing automation, and is actually now a podcast host also. We start a conversation discussing the launching phase of starting anything, any kind of business or podcast or venture, and the reality of what starting is actually like. We also cover the importance of boredom and some of the books that we like and maybe a few that we don't. We also spend some time discussing the hustle culture that has become so pervasive and and prevalent, entrepreneurs, and also how he has been designing sales processes for some of his clients, and how some simple point systems can help you measure sales success. So let's go ahead and get into it now. Hey, Matt, welcome to the Sales Career Leveling Podcast. How are you doing today? Wonderful, Michael. Thank you for having me. This is nice to have the tables turned. I am not going to be used to talking so much. So thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So um, first of all, where are you calling in from? I am in uh, a little outskirts of Denver called Arvada, Colorado, between Golden and Denver. Never heard of Arvada. I'm sure it's beautiful, though. That's not bad. I've been living here for a while. I actually dig it. It's uh, closer to the mountains, closer to the mountain bike trails that I like to ride. So it's uh, it's actually quite enjoyable here. Cool. Well, there are worse places to be. (laughs) So (laughs) why do you say that you're you're you know kind of turning the tables here? So I have a podcast of my own, and at some point down the road, (laughs) you're going to be a guest. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. We'll see how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) You may not want that. Oh, I could tell from our our call two weeks ago that you'd be a phenomenal guest. Um, I started it, man, four years ago this month. Yeah. And it started out as a business podcast. And I thought I was being super clever when I called it Burn the Boats. And it turns out there's about 37 other knuckleheads out there that have that same title with maybe two or three episodes. There's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I hate that it's named after me, but it was the only name that I knew wasn't taken when I was in a Starbucks. Yeah, only two other podcasts that are named after you so what, what is the the name of the podcast drop a drop a little uh um, plug for for me sure it is the matt sodnikar podcast so that's s-o-d-n-i-c-a-r so it started off as a business thing mm-hmm. so did it change morph along the way what's going on it did and burn the boats was a reference to the viking term of basically victory or die. And I wanted to deconstruct the entrepreneurial journey because I read Fast Company, Inc., all those. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when Michael Cox is on the cover of Inc. in a couple (laughs) years, it's, you know, you're in your bespoke tailored suit and you're in front of the building with your name on it and the what I call the basement struggle, the 2 a.m. struggle Dude, gets yes. about a, a barely a paragraph in these magazines. Yeah. And that's wonderful. Like, And so what I felt as an entrepreneur and even in my career, right, yeah. is like, what is that? What's the, the middle part that they're leaving out? Because everybody understands that struggle starting something. 
and success is broadcast in so many social media outlets. But the question that I would always ask is, did you quit? Mm-hmm. How close did you come to quitting? Man. What kept you going? Because at some point, um, nobody cares. And I just remember going downstairs, like I said, like at two in the morning to work on something on the website. And I didn't even care. Yeah. So what about that more of the mental state of just how do we grind? Yeah. And so in certain cases, yeah, it'll still be business, but I like to go back to a friend of mine, Ethan Butte, who works at BombBomb. Uh, Bomb. His book is Rehumanizing or mm-hmm. Rehumanize. And so I always wanted to tell the human side of the story. So like I still care about tactics and strategies, a la Tim Ferriss and things like that. But mm-hmm. as my conversation skills have improved and the things that are more interesting to me are who are you as a person and yeah. talk to me about those challenges. So yeah, there's, it, it flexes, like there's levers that all tilt one way or the other that are business, uh, you know, and I never go into full infomercial because people can smell that from a mile yeah. away. Like, yep. Agreed. Oh. I, you know, you mentioned that people know the, the, the startup piece of that. Um, and, and, and success is certainly publicized. I agree with that second piece. Honestly, I don't think people have a, have a very strong, and obviously this is an overgeneralization. I don't think people have an, a, a very strong grasp of what it takes at the beginning because there are many a sleepless night and it's not that you know I'm working through the entire night, but I am working till midnight on a very regular basis, you know, during that first six to really 14 months, because, and I'll explain the beginning, but I was, you know, you work from dropping off the kids until putting them to bed and then working again. And then you just get tired and your stuff isn't making sense anymore that you're reading. So you go to bed, but you can't stop working in your head. And, and it mm-hmm. just, it goes on. And so there are many aspects to the initial grind, if you will, that, that launching phase that I don't think people understand very much aside from the, the whole hustle porn, uh, wake, <laughs> wake up at four, you know, grind it out, Gary V kind of stuff that frankly is cool, but you know, once you start actually doing it, you're thinking, wait a minute, that that's all sounded nice, but it's not actual reality. So, so yeah, the reality part, I, an interview that I'll be releasing in a couple of weeks was with a life coach and I understand how cringy that can actually be. And the reason I cringed that I, right now, <laughs> you caught me mid cringe. <laughs> She's cool though. She's cool. Like I, I severely vetted her because here's why you talk about Gary V and the grind and you know, we'll cover Simon in a little bit, but the reason I talked to her and this is the sole reason, and she focuses on like divorce and recovery as her life coach business. Okay. She acknowledges, and this is core to your point and why I talked to her and core to my philosophy is that she acknowledges that it's going to suck, that you're going to be bored, that you don't want to do it, that you're going to feel terrible. And what we call like, I don't know if this is a term, but like the rah-rah culture and the, you know, the unbridled fake enthusiasm is that I personally feel that it's a disservice to someone to have the expectation that you're up all the time that you're always enthusiastic nobody can dogs can do it people can't do it and so the reason i talked to her was that she acknowledged that it's going to be work and you're not going to enjoy it and i think that's the biggest disservice that this culture of whatever it is is that you're going to be raring to go all the time yeah and 
the closest I've ever seen to how I think is Jocko Willink, where it's like, yeah, the discipline will carry you and the motivation goes. Motivation waxes and wanes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the yeah. discipline. Absolutely. And and the the quote that drives me crazy, another one that drives me crazy is um you do what you're passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life, kind of thing. Just because suddenly I love recruiting and I do doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. It's not going to be work. It's not going to be stressful because it's still recruiting, regardless of how much I love it. I mean, if you're in sales, tech sales, software sales, consulting, solving great problems, digging into those things, it's still very difficult work. And, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I had recently said something to the effect of, if, if this were any easier, I'd be doing something else. Because <laughs> it, it's the hard stuff that, that keeps me going, um, that really intrigues me. The Sales Career Leveling Podcast is brought to you by Zag Warps, your premier sales recruiting firm dedicated to helping sales leadership executives recruit the best sales talent for their teams. Connect with Michael G. Cox at zagworks.com and let's explore what a top sales recruiting team can help you build. So, um, you know, th- there, there are lots of things that I think mislead individuals. Follow your passion. No, you don't, don't follow your passion. My passion is to hang out with my kids. Uh, yeah. that, that's passion, you know, to go fishing without bait so I don't have to worry about catching anything. Just lounging <laughs> around. That could be a passion. <laughs> Nobody's going to give me money for that. So yeah. we're, we're still living yeah. in the world that, that requires money to have the, not even the finer things in life, to have milk and eggs, you know? Yeah. And that stuff doesn't sell, <clears throat> right? We're not going to make millions from our online course that tells people essentially yeah. eat less, exercise more, sacrifice, be bored. Nobody likes to hear that. They want to hear, all right, here's the the 12 step plan to do this, mm-hmm. the marketing and the sales and like get your Lamborghini and all that. Like, man, I could spin that up in a heartbeat. Like I know I've yeah. got the Google ads guys. I've got the Facebook ad team, the hustle the web developers. Yeah, I could do that. But you know yeah. what? I would make myself sick and I yeah. just couldn't Quickly. do it. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, um, Unfortunately, there's still a very big market for that. Um, the, you know, and, and it's the it's the weird things that actually helped me. Aside from, you know, working till four in the morning or waking up at four in the morning, which never happened. Aside from the fact that <laughs> the the fear of, of of failure that that woke me up in the middle of the morning. Um, but you know, the, the kind of stuff that actually does help. I take more showers during the day. And, and, and the only way that, Ooh, that seems like to help that. is I can't take this in there. Well, I could. It's waterproof. <laughs> but my phone can't go in with me. Right. I have to take my earbuds out. Um, going to cut the grass because it's damn loud and I can't hear anything else. And, and, and suddenly, like you mentioned, be bored. Eat less. Eat healthier. Go work out. Being bored and, and not having any kind of, because um, I, I listen to a lot of Audible books, I watch a lot of videos, I go through lots of trainings, but that stuff doesn't give me the time to be bored. And, and, and that downtime of my brain really is where everything from things as simple as to-do lists and, oh crap, I forgot to do that. Um, <laughs> and also man, it would be great if I did that. And then I'm down that rabbit hole for the next several hours, whether it be in the middle of the night when everybody's sleeping and I actually get something done that, that helps to accelerate my business, which is really air quotes. My business is really helping, you know, something that helped me to interact with an individual that might end up sharing, you know, something that's in his pocketbook for, for what I do. So that that can't be discounted that idle uh, 
imagination time, either on a walk or in the shower to mm -hmm. disconnect from working on the solution to imagining a solution. Yep. And it only comes when you can be fully distracted from the problem and disengaged from actively working on it. Yeah. Because, oh, let me see here. Um, I don't watch any television. I gave that up many years ago. And, and when I was starting to kick around the idea of, of starting my own business, um, but all of these, these little podcasts that I listen to, Business Wars and The Daily and, and um, Pavilion, The Dropout is really good. All of that stuff. Okay. That doesn't let me, that doesn't let me concentrate on the stuff that may actually work for me. If you really want to geek out, I will send you a spider diagram of my essential reading and listening library. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to look that. like the red string thing from uh, Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Some people think I'm like insane with the connections, but it came from seeing JJ Abrams and Fast Company to match them again. His universe, like his connection from Star Wars to this, to that, to that, to that, and like all that connection. Yeah. And I was like, I had a, a, I have a core library that I just listen to over and over and over. Mm. I still add pieces to it as needed, but there's always some that come through. And I'll send that over to you, and you can share that with your your audience too. But yeah, absolutely. They might think I'm insane. They might think it's value. It, it kind of makes sense in my head, but yeah, it's broken down into sales and resilience and and business and things like that, and they all have a little connection to each other. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that keep coming back to you over and over and over. Yep. Yeah. There's, there are some books that you just need to listen to multiple times. And if, if you're, if you have the discipline to do so, they, they can give you more the second, third, and, and, you know, every, every next time you read it or listen to it. What yeah. is, uh, I'm sick uh, of some of those books. To be honest, like I've listened to them over and over and over, and they're just now starting to become effective. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Don't fall in the trap of bestseller of the month because, you know, yeah. there's only two stories ever written, right? <laughs> Man goes on a journey and stranger comes to town and everything else is. <laughs> it is turns out it's the same it. guy from two different perspectives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off there, but go ahead. I was going to ask about uh, you know books, some of those books that that you just can't um, put down. And I don't care if it's self help, business, you know, fiction, nonfiction, whatever. Um, what what are the ones that you go to go or or let's say go back to? Yeah, um, when I find myself struggling. And, you know, when we talked last week, I was kind of in a, uh, not a slump, but an emotional uh, low. Mm -hmm. What I come back to, there's, there's three. And from the business and sales side, it's one called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. Yep. And that's a, that's a sales book. There's another one. Uh, they're they're kind of like co-books, I would say, by the same author. One is The War of Art, yep. the inner creative struggle, and balancing that is turning pro. And then the one that I come back to is uh, the concepts and learned optimism. So when I start, you know, feeling stagnant or stuck or low, I dig those out. Um. And then the last two are nerve, the, the science, new science of fear, mm -hmm. and then deep survival, the stories of who lived it, like disasters, but who lived, who died and, and why, and it's not gory. Like it's not, it's not murder porn. It's not disaster porn, but he talks mm -hmm. about the mindset of a survivor. And so when I feel that things are getting a little bit out of my control. I, there's a certain chapter, basically it's like the appendix of 10 things for like a survivor's mindset. And this is not tinfoil hat prepper <laughs> doomsday survivors. This is people that have been stuck in the wilderness or stuck on a raft or, 
um, POWs, um, things like that. Yep. And then the last one, which will now be part of my rotation, and it's taken a while. Like I've heard about this so many different ways from so many different people, both famous podcasters and friends. It's Men's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And yeah. I avoided it, I have to admit, because of the nature of the subject matter, which is him being a Holocaust concentration camp survival or survivor. But he states very early on in the book that his point is not to relate the darkest graphic parts of that journey. He leaves that to other authors and other books. He does mention it in certain ways, but it's really about finding meaning. And that is something that I search out every single day. Right on. So that's a great one. Yeah. I put it on the list there are some that that have helped to explain stuff that I was having to deal with in recruiting and in business. Uh, a, a big one is, and I read this many a year ago on paper, um, and then listened to it a couple times. It's called uh, The Accidental Sales Manager. Mm. Uh, basically explains how many, I'm not saying most, but many individuals make it from I see your individual contributor to sales manager. It's something that many companies find themselves overpopulated with is managers that weren't ever trained up to be managers, but it's a good book for those sellers. I'm sorry, those now accidental sales managers. And it's also a good book to, to prepare your, to use, to prepare yourself for that career path. If you know, that's what you want to go into. Um, I love it. Yeah, that was a good one. Gap selling is one that I'm reading right now, but it's, and unfortunately, it's not something that I can just listen to because there's so much work that has to be done. I can't be doing anything else. That's a really good one. Um, I enjoyed uh, a biography. It was uh, Beyond Band of Brothers. Uh, oh, sweet. War Memoirs of uh, Dick Winter's. Uh, amazing book about leadership. Um, so yeah, there, there are plenty of books that, that are great. Then I, you know, every now and again, I'm, I'm disappointed by, and I know I might piss off a lot of the uh, hustle porn ad addicts on this one, <laughs> but um, I tried, I, I finished it, but I struggled with the whole 10 X Grant Cardone thing because I really didn't get very much out of it. That was applicable you know, to those that are complaining about it or, or not a, happy about that statement, maybe it was just me, but there was really no <laughs> substance to it that I could pull from that book. I tried reading a few by Simon Sinek and, and uh, I, I, I enjoyed some of those and um, struggled with uh, some of his beliefs because I, I, I feel as though his He's very ivory tower. Um, that seems to be his perspective. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the business class that you take um, in, in university and then realize that good theory, not very applicable. Now that you're in the real world, things run a little bit different. It's good to have that base of information or that of training and, and knowledge. But let me show you how it's done, kid, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, the big one, and I, we're, we're just talking about this, the big, he's got a lot of quotes. Um, but the one that I just can't handle or the one that he, that he came up with uh, a number of years ago, that just drove me batshit crazy was, uh, you don't hire for skill. You hire for attitude because you can always train skill. And that makes great yes sense no. un until yeah. <clears throat> you are an owner of an organization or you're the head of a department, a division, or the CEO of a company. Because all of the CEOs, and I've asked this of many, is hypothetically speaking, if I came to you with an individual that doesn't know squat, no clue how the job is done, but they've got a great attitude. I mean, I kid you not, 
best attitude you'll ever encounter. And I'm sure that they'll learn the job. Would you pay me 20% of that person's base salary <laughs> if I if I brought you that individual? No, you're, you're, right. you're crazy. Of course not. Go find me the guy that's got the skill and has the attitude. And that had very little to do with the whole 20% fee. Because I asked that question when I was still in corporate recruiting, and I worked with many CEOs at that time as well. And every one of them said, it sounds nice, but do your job and go find me the individual that has a great attitude and the skill. Right. So <clears throat> it, it, it's just something that I can't abide by. What are your thoughts on that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll answer these questions in reverse order. Like you're absolutely right on the intersection of skill versus talent or skill versus attitude. Yep. And uh, I was listening to Ramit Sethi's, Sethi's book, um, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And it was a book he wrote a few years ago for millennials. Yep. But it was the first book on financial management that actually made sense to me because he talks about putting in systems, right? Mm -hmm. And where I'm going with that, to finally answer your question, <clears throat> is he talks about um, specificity. And he says in there that being very, very specific with your goals and something intangible. And he actually talks about this in terms of dating. Mm -hmm. And what he says is that you have these broad goals that I want somebody nice. I want somebody smart. I want somebody attractive, blah, 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 blah. Yep. And he says, people will do that because they fear that the specificity will rule out too many people and nothing will meet that criteria. And he says, quite the converse is true. He says, and in his book, the person that he lists out, I want somebody that went to an Ivy League school that traveled abroad for six months that did this, that has these skills, this, this, and this. And he says, it. you have to believe in it, but you narrow that focus mm -hmm. because it turns on your radar. And when somebody hits that bell, it's exactly who you want and you just mm -hmm. know it. Yeah. So then you're not wasting your most precious resource, which is time for someone that is meh. Or, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. You know? The so kiss of death settling. Yeah. So it allows an individual the time, and whether it's a, a person for, you know, talent management or dating or something that, yeah, like, okay, I'd rather focus on something else than invest time in, in this not fit. And I, as you were talking about Grant Cardone, to go back to him, I will give him credit. The one thing that I did take from one of his books is that you have to love what you're selling and use what you're selling. So I like that particular chapter in his book. Yep. And I'm looking at a picture of him and I joke about this like on my podcast because I do it because I love these conversations and would I take sponsorship money? Absolutely. And what I want, and I, I actually have said this, it ties back to the photo of him I'm looking at. I would love to have my name on the tail of an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this one? <laughs> yeah. And so here's what I'm going to do for your listeners. My profile picture, I'm going to do that and I'm going to buy somebody on Fiverr for 15 bucks to put my logo <laughs> on the tail of a plane. <laughs> yes. It ain't that, that hard. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, you got it, man. I will do that. Oh, I need to do the same thing now. <laughs> I would love to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pin that. I'm gonna see what I can do. Yeah, yeah. You Tell don't me if you find a good a person on Fiverr because I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing. Oh yeah, I got a guy. He's awesome. He, cool. he does. Anytime I have these nonsense things, like he's put my company logo on a Lamborghini video. Like these nice. guys know how to. It's like, all right, <laughs> it looks real. Yeah, yeah. But that's cool. not what I'm about, right? Like, like that's to me, that is so against who I am as a person. Like, good for him if he can if he can pay cash for that. Then this guy's got something going on. But I don't want to be that flashy, mm -hmm. even if I was that successful. Yeah, I, yeah, agreed. I, I hear you. Yeah, I, I struggle with some of his his stuff as well. But again, it's that stuff really does sell. 
And um, if you've ever listened to Mike Winnett, I uh, never he, heard of him. He was on on LinkedIn for a long time. I think he is back. Um, not sure. He he may still be banned. Um, <laughs> but which which already speaks volumes. You know, you know, you know, he's going to be good. He basically has a um, contrapreneur um, series that he does, and he he sold his business. He made millions and. The next thing was he wanted to combat the entrepreneur, and and um, uh, Grant Cardone was one of his targets. I have one deconstruction thing, and then I want to get to what I thought you had a very powerful question about what's working or not in sales. Um, yes, my friend found this CD for uh, so a compact disc for your younger listeners <laughs> <clears throat> and it's called your wish is your command by this guy Kevin Trudeau oh, no. <laughs> so this was from I have to remember my Roman numerals like MMIX so maybe like 2001 or something uh-huh. so I was listening to this disc and this was actually one of my proudest moments as a father I was listening to it with my daughter who's a sophomore in college and he's talking about the money secrets they don't want you to know about and he's talking about he recorded this live at this alps chalet with shakes and everybody else and like he says on the audio ct he goes yeah these people paid tens of thousands of dollars to attend this live and you're getting it for 200 bucks and she just goes those other guys are idiots. Why wouldn't you just pay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, long story short, Kevin is currently serving 10 years in federal prison for fraud. <laughs> Whoops. Well, there you for go. For diet pills. For he, diet he'll, pills. He'll be because... out next year, so maybe we can get him on uh, on one of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so yeah, you, you, I was, I was meaning to ask you since you are, you know, a, a foot soldier, you know, selling boots on the ground. I'm always curious about what is or is not truly working because we, once again, I was having conversations just yesterday with an individual who's required to do hundred and minimum 150 dials per day, which leaves no time for research no time to even know who the hell is going to be on the other line sure answering and then you'll be able to have a conversation that is intelligent so i'm always on the lookout or, or, or eager to hear about what isn't working and just as importantly what is working in the sales profession sure what would you say so to your person making the 150 dials, I was stunned. <clears throat> so I've got a client where I'm actually running their sales process end to end. So as a, so like from lead gen, yeah, I'm actually making cold calls, having conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, closing deals, running mm-hmm. demos. I thought the phone was dead actually. Okay. And it turns out that the <clears throat> metrics from 10 years ago um, of 50 dials to get to three conversations to one appointment, it still works <clears throat> with a very big if. The very big if being if you have pre-qualified leads and if you're asking a decent question of them when you get them on the phone. Yeah. The yeah. script is essential. Absolutely. But to have a conversation with somebody and to ask what I call a power question is essential because I can't get somebody on the phone and just vomit all over them and take 30 seconds to tell them all about me. The There's a science behind this that nobody commercial... cares. Right, right. So this goes into a lot of the stuff I do with, with my clients is I'll, I'll just have basic ground rules that are proven over time. Like a 30 second commercial has 22 words mm-hmm. because that's what the brain can handle in that short amount of time. So your yeah. script has to be 22 words and it has to be a question that gets them thinking. Yeah. That's very, very hard. Very. Absolutely. And so 
what I think into let's start stacking this up and going up from the nano level to the galactic. So what's not working is that there needs to be weighted sales metrics. There has to be basic activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I can very easily say that everything works, but not everything is going to work for every company or for every individual. Mm -hmm. and, and so you have to decide what is going to work best for that product, that solution, that individual. And so when I say weighted metrics, what I mean is that a and my mentor, Bill Swank, who, who you should definitely interview as well, taught me this, is that a dial is worth a point. A conversation is worth five points. An appointment is worth 10. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of a week, you need to have 500 points. And so if I was a sales manager and all my reps <clears throat> were scoring 500 points because they were having appointments and it was consistent and they were having conversations and things were getting quoted. Yep. I wouldn't be busting their ass about not making the phone calls. Clearly something was working. And then <clears throat> I've got a story from a friend of mine. She is a high level consultant in a IT organization and I'll leave it very broad, Yep. but she has saved this CTO from impending disaster because she jumped on a call, provided some insight to her board, and she is now bulletproof. She's like, we are going to be with you for the long term. Thank you for saving me. Her management is, have you done the quarterly reviews with them? Why aren't yeah. you calling her once a week? And to her response was, this woman has told me how she wants to do business. This account now has a force field around it that is locked in yep. and there won't be activity, but there doesn't need to be. There will be in six months because she said, we've got the budget, it's allocated. You still need to care and feed that, but the metrics driven, it's some low level manager that's not a leader is making her do all these things that will by definition from the client's perspective annoy the hell out of her absolutely yeah there, there's there's no good that is going to come from hitting them up on a weekly basis or spamming them on a on a more regular basis with emails that they don't need and and but unfortunately, if you look at metrics, whether they be weighted or not, and, and, and that's all you're looking at, or, or all you ever do is ask, have you updated your forecast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's, not, that, that's not even sales management, and it certainly isn't leadership. Um, and I, my argument against the weight is, if you're only looking at that metric on a spreadsheet or in, in your in your um, on your dashboard, uh, that might that still might not be good enough because maybe I can bust out enough of that low level points to get to 500, but I'm not getting things moving forward. But hey, I still made my 500 calls this week, kind of thing. Um, there, there needs to be a proper division because what matters mm -hmm. even more than metrics, even if they are properly weighted and, and, and we're chasing only the metrics that matter, it still is all about the outcome. So outcomes, if, if we can start with the end in mind and focus on the outcome, what's going to get us there? And I always ask about what are the engage what are the activities that you must be engaged in on a daily weekly monthly basis yes thank you that are going to lead to the proper outcomes that's what we care about now that may look very different and we need to be malleable enough to understand that oh wait a minute just because this guy doesn't do 
150 dials a day doesn't mean that he's not or she is not going to be successful. I've got an individual who I tried placing individuals doing since pandemic hit numbers shoot through the roof because Mm. he very quickly pivoted away from cold calling and prospecting over the phone and face to face because he can't get in to see anybody. Nobody's in the office to answer. He's going through LinkedIn and email and having video conversations with them. All, uh, you know, Loom, Dub, um, BombBomb, but he's, he's having conversations. He's presenting to them over video. And he's got a professional studio, eh, semi-professional studio in his office, in his home with a green screen backdrop and it's beautiful work. Um, so we, he's not doing what we would typically consider that this individual needs to do, um, the requirements. But he's at 3X of his, his quota. And this was in like May, June of 2020, he had already 3X'd his, his quota. Now, sorry, Grant Cardone, it wasn't 10X, but maybe by the end of the year, he would, <laughs> he would have gotten there. So sometimes we have to be able to think about, get beyond a metric and mm-hmm. think about an outcome and how this individual got to that outcome. The video is one of my secret weapons for sure. Loom and video ask. And I, when I was talking to Ethan at BombBomb, their biggest barrier is not closing the platform. It's adoption. It becomes shelfware. Yep. And it's, again, if I was to give one piece of advice to anybody in sales, it's learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. seeing and hearing yourself. And again, podcasting helped me get through that because hearing my own voice or seeing me on screen, I got used to how I sound. And so that's what they said at BombBomb is that it's people not liking how they sound or look and just getting past that. And so again, I'll write a script, 22 words for 30 seconds, and I'll rehearse it over and over and over. And oh, I didn't smile enough. And I have actually engaged a voice acting coach. Mm. Not that I'm going to do audiobooks, but I want these messages to come across way more effective and it works. Mm -hmm. That's something that if Yeah, it's not a secret that I'm giving away and I'm afraid people will do it because so many people won't push past being uncomfortable. So, yeah. I I started doing video through LinkedIn about six years ago. And I thought way back then, I got to get on this because recruiting is going to kill it. It's going to be ineffective in six or 12 or 18 months and it's not going to work anymore. So I need to take advantage of this right now. And my, my um, big idea back then was I'm going to buy a Prezi uh, template. And I'll be able to go through the Prezi template on the screen. And I'm going to be in a little bubble in the corner talking to them about an opportunity. And as a former sales executive, I know I would want to hear about the organization, the product set, the compensation, tell me the rest later. And I get this down to two, maybe two and a half minutes. And if you're interested, click below and we'll have that 15 minute chat. <laughs> and everybody's like, this is like six, seven years ago. Everybody's like, dude, this is awesome. No, I know. Even the guys that weren't interested, but people respond, people yep. engage, even the no's I can reapproach later. <laughs> So what have you seen that, let's say, um, an individual contributor is doing that needs to stop? Oh, stop sending emails that say just checking in or circling back. When I was leading sales teams, I had- oh, Sorry, of- sorry. My favorite. And I, I wrote something about this. Nobody likes their basis <laughs> being touched. Just touching base. <laughs> Like, don't be touching my base. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Put my previous true. email, Michael. I don't, uh, I'm not going to be touching your bases. <laughs> delete, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so those aren't working. Yeah. You're saying. Um, I'll give you some examples of what I told them to do. Um, there's only one email that does not end in a question, and it's the one that says, thank you for your order. Every email <laughs> has to have a question in the subject line and in the content that is the brain can't ignore the question mark. Yeah. And that has to happen. Um, you know, and this is why I focused on adding a robust marketing piece to my skill set and to my consulting is that they're separated by either a millimeter or a mile. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they need to be, sometimes they can't be, but looking at what's working or what's not, it's generally that the marketing is way too much. It needs to be very, very simple. It's a challenge to see things from either the, the blank page or childlike eyes, whatever, but the marketing always has to satisfy the three second rule. What is it? What does it do? And do I need it? Then once that moves forward and it's awareness, engagement, and conversion, sales and marketing go through that same pipeline, then the sales has to follow relationships and how they work. That that's, that's what I would say would <clears throat> generally is not working in sales. And I've seen it with a number of clients is that you like, think about dating. There's protocol, there's rules to make people not freak out and feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, don't take an engagement ring to a coffee date the first time that you've met. <laughs> it's going to be a little awkward. Yes. <laughs> then you have to have, and this is something from that book, Let's Get Real, that transformed my career was that you say, why don't we explore to see if there's a fit or not? And they go into a much better description of those two words or not than I ever will. But it relieves the pressure of a next step. Yeah, absolutely. It sets you up as a collaborator. Yeah. And invariably, when I engage with clients, I they, they're talking about, hey, we need more sales. Well, okay, that's that's we don't need to talk about that. Every business needs more sales, but yep. I come at it from a comprehensive, I guess, vertical and horizontal perspective, looking at the sales and the marketing and looking at, is it the messaging? Is it the quality of clients? Nobody looks at the retention either. Like what is your churn on the yep. backside? And everybody knows, oh, it costs 10 times more to gain a new customer than to keep one. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, common sense is not very common, right? So what if we could increase the retention from 30% to 70% without any harder work on the front end? We're still doing, like, even if we just fixed that yeah. and we had better conversations and it was a better fit and we just kept clients around, what would that do for the revenue? Like, oh yeah, because they're not, everybody's so short term, like this quarter, next quarter, but what if we kept 30% more of these people Yeah, because they're a better fit? We don't need to spin up a account management team or customer success, but what if we qualified them better? What if they were mm -hmm. a better fit just from our sales motions? Change that. And then I'll dig into, well, what does your website say? Or what does your outbound marketing emails say? Or, mm -hmm. and what does your sales, what do your sales emails say? And it's, what I do is really simple. I just say, let's just edit this down less, less, less. Let's focus well, more is, on is the customer. Difficult. <laughs> simple is that's where they hard. pay me a lot of money <laughs> yeah that's why that's why i make the medium bucks um yeah it, it reminds me of what you had mentioned earlier um from uh, i believe it was remit sethi uh, yeah. where he was talking about dating and, and narrowing down your possible search parameters yep and and where I've failed the 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 worst with 
with not prospective but clients that actually signed no companies that signed up they weren't clients where i failed was i was trying to stretch myself to get the business i was you know what inside sales i'll go for it i can i can do that i'm sure i can fill an inside sales position but it's not really my niche uh, i i'm i i can't not to say i'm i'm going after something menial but that's not where my network is at that's not where my expertise is at um so i failed them miserably and we wasted a lot of their time just didn't make sense and what that did is if they do have sales management sales leadership um or or just outside sales type positions that are more senior that come available if i try and reapproach them today it's probably not going to make sense for them he's the guy that wasn't able to fill those inside sales gigs it, there there were there were issues but doesn't matter what the issues were at this point i i'm the guy that failed so yeah. stay in your niche stay in your lane know what those parameters are that disqualify your ideal audience if you will so yeah <clears throat> typically the first things i'll do even before the initial meeting with a, a client and i come in with a um a sales-led marketing consulting. I know that's kind of a confusing term, but I'll look at their website. I'll sign up for their newsletter and I'll just watch what happens. And I don't know this industry any more than perhaps somebody that would stumble upon their website. Mm -hmm. And I look at this and none of it is about me as a potential customer. It's all about look at us, look at this shiny thing, look how fast or how big or how much or whatever. And people forget how busy everybody is. And I just ask simple questions to take them on a journey and say, well, why would, why would somebody sign up for this? Or I've, I've got a client I'm meeting with tomorrow, for example, like they have an amazing amount of organic traffic coming to their site and people downloading white papers. Mm -hmm. And I asked the simple question, so what happens if they download this white paper on this subject? Mm -hmm. Awkward silence. And I said, this Nothing. is so specific. They are, they have a problem. Yep. This is, they, they are raising their hand and they are telling you that they are looking for something. And to then not even simply put them in an email sequence or a call log. So to go back to your person doing 150 dials per day, mm -hmm. if they put in a little filter or a little qualification that can all be done with sales automation, with outreach or Mixmax or whatever it happens to be, mm -hmm. and they only call people that have raised their hand and downloaded something, or then click that person, somewhere, yes. you know, oh, I, I see they clicked on this thing that's really specific. Yes. And then that, that's, that's it's not a just a call. It's not just calling them, hey, I see you downloaded this. When can I schedule the 15-minute meeting? But can I come by for a cup of coffee? You don't do that either. You yep. still act as a customer service representative and say, I know you're looking at this. I have a guy who is the subject matter expert in this. Would you care to have a conversation with him to help solve this problem? Here's two more resources about disaster recovery that you may find valuable. And you're providing value to that customer. And mm -hmm. I talked to CIOs three years ago. I said, look, you need to buy stuff, you need to have product, you need to have people that come into your organization. How do you buy that? How do you how do you like to be sold? And they said, the people that will do homework for me and solve a problem somewhere down the road. I keep a little email folder or in some cases a literal folder mm -hmm. of those people. And when I have a problem, those are the ones that I reach for because they've done just the bare minimum effort of making me feel like they're looking out for my best interest. Yep. Absolutely.
And and it, that unfortunately is so rare, or maybe fortunately, that those folders aren't chock full of hundreds of thousands of uh, individuals or or individual correspondences that they've received. So, yeah. But if you can just figure out what their pains may be that would be solved by you, the, the, the solution that you're selling today. Just spend some time trying to figure out not just your product and the features and the benefits, but what does that do for, and not just in a company, an organization, what does that do for an individual? Which individual within the organization? Which type of organization? These are not very complicated questions, but mm -hmm. you need to know those things as, as a seller. And most, not most, many organizations maybe haven't quite figured that out or haven't quite figured out how to make sure that their individual contributors, the boots on the ground, know these things through and through but if you don't, then you're, you're stuck just doing the, the, you know, smile and dial 150 a day in the hopes that the right individual will answer that call at the right time and somehow withstand that, that script and say, as a matter of fact, yes, I'm going to raise my hand on this one. I'm interested. But that, that's, that, that is reducing the sales profession to the quote unquote numbers game. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's not a game. I, you know, I frankly, I, I'm hopeful that I always say no is my second favorite answer because clearly you don't have the pain that I typically solve for with my prospective clients. Right. Um, and, and so without that pain, there is no sale. Um, and, 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 you know, this is all over that book that I had mentioned, um, gap selling. So highly recommend that one. It's not very new. Keenan. I might book. have that on a shelf somewhere. I think I do. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, dude, this has been a little slice of heaven. I've enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to do this again sometime. Definitely. Um, would love to continue the conversation on your podcast if that's possible. Absolutely. I would love to turn the tables and get insight into your world and your origin <laughs> story for sure. That, yeah, that'd be it, fascinating. It was crazy. A little preview into that. This guy thought 2020 was going to be the best year ever. So I quit my day job and, and, and dove full in, you know, into, into, uh, going independent with a wife, three kids, and then the pandemic hits, our, our, our family is hit by cancer, and there's like no money coming in for months last year, living off of savings, having to pay for public, uh, private school. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but, but strangely enough, I probably, if, you know, they say, if you knew then everything you know now, would you still do it? Uh, yeah. I would be on the fence. So we'll see. I was told this years ago at a very difficult time in my life is that you'll never know what you can do until you're faced with what you must do. Yeah. <laughs> that is true, my friend. Definitely. So we'll, we'll definitely have to continue the conversation. I really appreciate your time and where can people get a hold of you? What's what's the best way to connect with you? Oh, I would welcome, uh, much like you did on LinkedIn, Matt Sodnikar on LinkedIn. My podcast is the Matt Sodnikar podcast. Again, apologies for the eponymous <laughs> title there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's available where all your favorite podcasts are sold. <laughs> and then... Um, to talk about the the sales and marketing and making that actually work, yeah, um, they can go to my company drivetrainmarketing.co. But Ooh, man. basically, let's just have a conversation and figure out. There's always something that's working, 
and you don't need to burn it down and rebuild. There's little tweaks that'll make a huge difference. And absolutely. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, it was a pleasure and uh, we'll definitely talk again very soon. Thanks, Michael. I really enjoyed it. It's great to get to know you. Thank you for joining us on the Sales Career Leveling Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and if you would be so kind, share this podcast with a fellow sales professional. If you are a sales professional and would like to connect, have a guest, and or topic suggestion, please find Chris Stinson and Michael G. Cox on Michael LinkedIn G. Cox or, email or email careerleveling at gmail.com.